homeless. I told God every day, if you let me make it, when I get there, I'm going to tell everybody it was you. Well, guess what? I'm telling you that it was him. I have no education. I ain't got a degree of any kind. What you see today is a boy that come out the bottom who believed in him when it wasn't no sign of me getting over, who kept doing this thing that his mother taught She said, when it get dark for you and you can't find your way, and boy, I was lost. She said, don't forget to pray. Don't be ashamed to pray. And don't ever be too proud to pray because prayer, prayer changes things. You have got to pray. very inspirational things and I suppose carrying on from our series um, that we've been going through and it's all about prayer and prayer is something that like I shared like until I'd met my wife and never been in church so prayer was something that was quite foreign to me and um, I suppose just a raise of hands if you know your love language like what's uh, does anyone my love language is gifts if you ask my wife like it's it's 100% gifts does anyone else have that love language one, okay, any students that um, want to impress me or get on my good side, like you know what it is now, so my office is just over there, and, um, but my, 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 I have other things, but that's predominantly my thing, and I, I love receiving gifts, and I suppose this week's prayer, uh, or a part of this week's Lord's Prayer is often what they call the, the gimme prayer, or the vending machine prayer. Because that's often how we treat it. And for a person like me, that is very much, that's my love language. I see this. If you can imagine listening to your kid, talking to, if you have kids, if you're talking to them, and they're not listening until there's something that they want in that conversation. And they're all they're hearing, and then whatever. And I suppose for, for someone like me, that their gift, their love language is gifts, um, you kind of skip through that first part, and it's like, Give us a stay daily bread. Oh, what, what, there's something for me? The, the danger that we fall into is that we skip those first ones and go straight to the give me. What can I get? God, I've been doing all these things for you, therefore you owe me. And I suppose that's a trap that we can fall into. And when it doesn't come our way, we're kind of going, well, God, where were you? Like, come on. I asked for these things. Um, and I suppose... The Lord's Prayer, the, 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 what we've been going through is in the book of Matthew, but I'm going to be looking at, the, at Luke's version or, uh, of, the, of the Lord's Prayer today. And I suppose we're going to be talking, this is predominantly what we're going to be talking about. Give us each day our daily bread. But what is bread? And that's what we're going to be looking at today. Like I said, I love gifts. So I often find myself asking God, God, I need this, I need this, I need this. I want a new iPad, I want a new different things, I want all these different things. Why aren't I getting it? And I suppose we, we can go into, the, into um, the Bible and find out why these things are. And I suppose part of what I want to share today is the importance of not just looking at the text in isolation, but looking at the surrounding things that are going along with it. Um, when you write an essay, um, 
that Avondale 4 um, scripture, what they want you to do is look what's happened beforehand, what's happening there, what you're doing, and also what happens afterwards. Because that gives you a greater picture of what's happening. Now, in the book of John, it does say, John does highlight that if everything was recorded that Jesus said, then there wouldn't be enough books in the world. But these, these authors that have been inspired by the Holy Spirit have put certain things in certain ways. And if we go to Luke chapter 10, the last part before this chapter 11, and from verse 38, it says here, And Jesus, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village, where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what, they, what he taught. But Martha was distracted. By the dinner, by the big dinner she was preparing, she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my, that my sister sits here while I do all the work? Now, I must say, right at this point in time, Martha is definitely my son. Because my daughter is injured, so she gets a free ride for a little while. And so all the, all the chores... It's all directed at Tyrese. He's going, this isn't fair. It's, going, it's not fair. But for now, this is what you're going to be doing. Um, and, and anyway, um, Martha carries on, tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, or some versions might say, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. This is one thing worth being concerned well, there is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has, has discovered it and, it, is, and it will not be taken away from her. You see, Mary got caught up with, Martha got caught up with doing all these things. And I suppose the cultural norm or cultural ideal back in those times was Mary, that you, that you absorb everything. However, have, have things have changed our cultural ideal now is probably more on the Martha scale. That it's independent, you're a person on your own, you do all these things, you achieve all these things, and where is the rest? There's, off, there's tons of books out there on telling you how to live life and how to relax. Why? Because we've geared into a, a, an era now where it's all about what can I do, what can we do to achieve all these things. There is no more time for I mean, if, if in a workspace, if you were to do nothing for a while, you either, there's two things. You can either be hide or you can feel guilty because everyone else is around you working and achieving the things and you're doing nothing. You're just chilling, just relaxing. And I suppose we get that itchy feet sometimes that, oh, I should be doing something. I, I feel wrong to be sitting here. You see, the cultural ideal has probably changed more, shifted more to the Martha side. And Luke puts it in such a way that, um, like, before he goes into the Lord's Prayer, he shares the story of Mary and Martha. You see, for, for Luke, and for many of us, he sees it and puts it this way. There's a problem. He provides, then, a cure for that problem, as we'll go into verse, chapter 11. And then also tailing on from the Lord's Prayer, okay, that's, we've got the problem, we've got the cure, but how do we get the cure? You see, then Luke puts down the story that we'll go through. 
on how to get that cure. So we'll continue on in chapter 11, down to verse 13. Once, once Jesus was in a certain place, praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples, Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins. As we forgive those who sin against us and don't let us yield to temptation. Then teaching more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked and the not, uh, for the night, and my family and I are in, all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, basically pestering, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of, all, because of your shameless persistence. And I tell you, I tell, so, and so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you have asked for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Master receives everyone who seeks finds and everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Your fathers, or you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. If you, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You see, Luke has put it in such a way that we see from Mary's, Mary and Martha's story that there is a problem about how Martha sees things. Jesus goes, I hear you. And then Luke puts it into such a way, what comes next is the Lord's Prayer. I hear you. This is, the, this is the cure for your problem. You're looking at it from a totally different wrong. Okay, that's all good. And if, the, if, the, if Luke had stopped at the Lord's Prayer, it's like, okay, how, 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 how do we, we've got, we, we've got, we know the problem, we've got the cure, but how do we go about doing that cure? And then he goes into that story, and it, and it shows us that an outline to get right with God. There's a, um, a Christian author, he's actually just recently passed away, called, he highlights about the cultural norms. And he also points out about in um, John 11, when um, Lazarus is dead, and they're going on, and they said, you're too late, and he goes, roll away the stone. And Martha's going like, are you crazy? Like, the smell is going to be horrendous. You see, Martha is at a point in which, I, I'm, like I said earlier, it's probably for most of us, is that it's about me. It's about I want to achieve these things. It's all about leadership. It's all about these things that is good things, but I suppose in the wrong perspective. What is, what should our cultural ideal be? If you go back to the visit for Mary and Martha, they're in Martha's house. So she's 
She's doing okay. And then right in that chapter, but the, uh, that part, it says there, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. You see, there's a few meanings to that word worried. And part, one, one translation can put it this way, is that you're, you're tearing yourself up on the inside. That all these things you're worrying about, and I suppose going to um, the high school kids is that like, or, or teachers or whoever, if you're studying, you can get to a point where all these things are building up in your life and you're tearing yourself on the inside and going, I just need to do this and I need to accomplish this, but I can't do it. I want to suggest today that I suppose we all go through those aspects of life. But the Lord's Prayer has to understand what Jesus is trying to tell us here. You see, Jesus says, okay, Martha, I hear you, but I want you to pray like this. And then on the last few weeks, we've been going through those different phrases that's in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew. But we can easily just pop over them, can't we? So forgive me. we, We treat God as a vending machine. You see, the first part of the Lord's Prayer, before give us this day our daily bread, makes us realize what's at the center of our lives, what we truly should have at the center of our lives. And it all comes back to identity, who we are in Christ. It's recognizing God for who he is. Yes, he's a good friend, like I shared earlier. I share the relationship aspects of God. But also beyond that is that it's something that is far greater than just a friendship. We, we get caught up with the, 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 the busyness of life that we can't do those things. We can't get right because we, can't, we haven't put ourselves in a position to hear God and what he's trying to say to us. The first parts of, that, of the, the Lord's Prayer helps us realign what we're trying to do. It heals our perspective. And basically you're saying in that first part, you're saying to God, I know that my perspective is off. So help me realign before I get to what I want. And you go, okay, I've done those things. I'm going to have a conversation with Jesus now. And Jesus goes, okay, yep, you've acknowledged me. What is it that you want? And he goes, oh, I want these things. I want a new iPad. And he goes, is that all? He goes, thanks for the stars. Think big. Think as much as you can. I read a book one time that said, if we're ever trying to grow a church, think of a number that you could never imagine because that number could only be accomplished when God is in the mix. And in that prayer, when it, when, when, when it says, give us this day our daily bread, it's our needs, not our wants. I might need, I might want an iPad, but I don't, do I really need an iPad? We often get caught up with all these different things that we forget that our perspective needs to change. Jesus wants us to to talk to him from a healed perspective. And he wants, he goes, okay, 
that's what you want. I don't think you need that. But I'm going to provide you some things that you're going to have. But I want you to reach for the stars. And you're going, wow, how could I, how could I do that? What, what, what is that? And he goes there right at the bottom of that story in, in, in chapter 11. And it says, how much will you, to those who ask him. And that is the key for this aspect, that we might ask God for all these different things, but are we asking for the Holy Spirit, which the Holy Spirit then will give us all that we need? When I first started coming into church, I was going, God, heal me because I know that I am broken. And he says, okay, Sean, I know that you want that and you need that, but I'm going to give you something else. And that was a desire to go into ministry. You see, I never asked for that, but God knew what he want, his plan for me. And he goes, I'm not just going to give you, I'm just not going to heal you. I'm going to give you the ability to do things. On Friday here, yesterday, we had um, the primary school speech speeches. And mate, those, some of those kids were amazing. And they had no notes, some of them. And I'm sitting there going, wow, I can't even do that myself. But when I was their age, every chance I got, I mean, when speeches were on, I would wag school because I hated speaking in front of people. You see, when we ask the Holy Spirit to give us certain things, they might go, he'll go beyond what you could ever imagine. Doesn't mean that I'm, I'm gonna, I, I get my perspective in line then, and they give me this then, and then a few months down the track or something, our perspective has changed again. The good thing about, the awesome thing about God is that he is a relational God. And he sees us going through all these waves in our lives. But yet he is still with us and beside us the entire way. And he's going, I see you in that, down at that low. I know that you love me. But have you ever thought of trying to change this so that you can come back up here? You see, this book what we call the Bible, it's just words, it's just paper. Unless you allow it to transform your life, then it becomes something magical. It becomes something more than just a book. Are we reading it to its full perspective? Are we allowing the Holy Spirit, are we aligning ourselves in such a way that this book, these words, speak life into us? Or are we just reading it to know more about this God person. You see, Martha, Martha's story can highlight two, a couple of things for us. It can highlight the religious side of things. It's knowing about God, knowing all the cultural things, knowing all these things. Oh, social justice and all those other things. But Mary's perspective is like, why do, why do I need to bother about all of those things when I'm in the presence of God? Because we need to listen to God. There's a, there's a, um, a thing uh, that I saw one time on, on, online, and it said along these lines that often we're hearing for the, the lion voice of God, but often he's speaking to us at the level of a mouse. We're hearing this, trying to hear this, okay, I want to get in line with God. I want, I want to ask for the things that I want. And I'm going through those things, I'm putting my perspective in line, but I just want to get to where I'm asking him. And he's going, okay, okay, but just wait and pause because I'm trying to talk to you in those moments. 
Are we listening for God to put ourselves in such a way that we ask God and he, 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 he asks and, and receives and, and answers those things? Or are we just trying to go through the motions, which is often can sometimes be referred to as religion. Now, I don't mean that in a bad way, but we're going through the processes and we forget who we're going on that journey with. You see, Timothy Keller puts it this way, that when we pray to God, we need to be aggressive and submissive. Now, those two don't generally go together. They kind of, they they work against each other. And he talks about aggressively, like, be bold, like it's in the verse. Give us each day our daily bread. It's asking specifics here. Luke is saying specifics. Be specific in what you want. And God will hear you and answer your prayers. Might not answer in the way that you want, but he will answer those prayers. Be specific. Be aggressive. Be so specific that God tell, you tell God exactly what you want. When my grandmother was alive, um, when she started to feel, get, get ill, she came, I, I said to her to come and move, live with us. And she lived with us. Now, my mom, my mom, my, my grandmother, um, she's Dutch, or she was Dutch, she was born in Holland. And um, the culture, it's kind of, it's, it's different, but... Um, Basically, when she was living with us, I had to do everything for her. And I didn't mind because she was my grandmother. But I wanted her to acknowledge the help that she needed. And she found that highly offensive. And she pulled me up. Now, um, this is probably the only time that I can ever remember my grandmother actually growling me. And um, it, it threw me. And I suppose now that I reflect, when I reflect on it, the response that I gave grandma was probably not respectful either. She said, along the lines of, why should I have to tell you what I want? I'm your grandmother. You should be just helping me when you see that I need help. And I said to her, yeah, that's fine, Grandma, but I also need you to understand and acknowledge your restrictions, your capacity of where you can't, what you can and can't do. And she got even more upset with that, and then she went into her room and shut the door. Um, but for God, like being aggressive, like going back to the, what we've been talking about, be aggressive, be specific. God knows what we want, but he also wants us to acknowledge our capacity and our limitations. And be submissive. How do we do that? How do we be submissive at the same time? The first part of the Lord's Prayer helps us to that in that aspect. It makes us acknowledge God, who he is. And what he's done in our lives. In verse, verse 8, it says, But I tell you this, though he won't do it for, uh, for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will give, get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. You see, shamelessness needs to be in that aspect of prayer. We need to be specific, we need to be aggressive what we're asking for, but we also need to be submissive by shamelessly keeping on knocking on that door. It's not just a one knock. It's like you can imagine inside, and you're sitting there watching TV, so the TV's loud, and you hear one knock at the door, you're going to 
What's that? Be aggressive. Go, God, I need you. I need you. I want this. But acknowledging, God, I know who you are. I know what you've done in my life. I've read about all these stories. You're not just my saviour, but you're also my Lord. You've seen that, um, those, during COVID and all that, where they had those videos of um, this guy that was on a TV presenter, and he was, he's presenting from, obviously, in his bedroom. And um, it might have been before COVID, I don't know, but anyway, the kids come running in the room. And they, they run into the room, and he's on national TV. And then you see the nanny kind of going through the door, and then she tries to crawl and grab the kids and pull them out. You see, shameless part, of being, uh, shameless part is that being a child, acknowledging that I am a child of God, and that I'm willing to bust into the room and say, God, I want this, just like a child does, because they have no concept of when the right time is, because they just see their parents, they see their father, and they just want those things. If we approach God in that same way, about not worrying about these things in front of him, Imagine what the response could be. You see, shameless coming, coming, from, uh, coming to it shamelessly is the key to this verse that we're talking about today. It's acknowledging who God is, what we've read prior to this, before asking what it is that we want. And you might go, okay, I'm going to do those things. I'm going to ask this. And a man, I'm going to, I want this. I want a big TV. I want all my subscriptions paid for so I don't have to keep paying those every month. And he's going, okay, okay. You've aligned yourself. You're doing okay. What you're asking for is a bit off. But as parents... We know what's, what's good for our kids when they're little, especially when they're, going through, when they're going through the checkouts, and all the time they got, some checkouts are starting to change now, but they put all the candy right there, all the lollies right there at the checkout, and the kids come back and coming through and they're going, oh, can I have that, can I have that? And you're going to like, no, you can't have that. You won't eat your dinner. Who's, who's heard that one before? You're not going to eat all, the, all your dinner? I hated that when I was a kid. <laughs> And then you find yourself doing it as you're in your parent. Because you know your perspective has changed. You know what's good for your children. The same aspect that comes for God. We can come to God as a vending machine. God, I want this. I want this. I want my big TV. I want all my subscriptions paid for. And he's going, great, great, great. But if you knew what I know, you would know that what I'm giving you is what you need, not what you want. You see, God is telling us throughout all of our lives, he's going, son, daughter, I'm going to give you everything you would ask for if you knew everything that I know. I'm going to give you everything you would ask for if you knew everything I know. 
And you're going, okay, okay, that's all good. But what about Jesus' prayer when he, was on the, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? His prayer wasn't answered. What are we going to do there? What, what, God doesn't answer his prayer even for his only son? He's willing to give him up, but doesn't even answer his prayer? You know, Jesus' prayer wasn't answered. It was rejected. And out of all humanity on earth that has ever lived and ever will live, I'm pretty sure we can, we can comfortably say that Jesus' prayer should have been the one that should have been answered. But it wasn't. His prayer wasn't answered so that we could chat with God, so that we could talk with God, so that we could be brought into a relationship with God. His prayer wasn't answered so that we had that connection with God. And I know throughout my life, I stand here today, and I've said it before and I'll continue to say it, that I am a product of prayer. When we got married, um, I wasn't in church at all. I was still drinking. I wasn't doing drugs at that point in time. I'd given that up. But I was still drinking. Every day, Yola's mum would pray for me. Every day. And she continues to do that even today. So I acknowledge that my journey started long before I was ready for that relationship with God. But Yola's mum's prayer, her want, her daily the asking, was that I would come into a relationship with God. Then a few years ago, as we moved from Australia to New Zealand, and after we, you know, when we moved, we still had boxes like months and months later that we hadn't packed, unpacked. And you always have those, those times where, and I was going through it, and I found one of Yola's prayer books. She's a journaler. I'm not, I'm not a journaler. I don't like journaling. Um, but I read one of her prayers, and I know that's wrong. I shouldn't do that, but I wanted to see what she was praying about. And her prayer was that, that I had started to come to church, and she, would, she was praying that I would come to know God as she knows him. You see, I stand here today on the shoulders of people that have gone before me, to get me to where I am today. And that is because of people that have, that have spoken into my life and prayed to God that I would come into a relationship with him. And God's going, okay, I've heard your prayers, but I need him to go do these things. So I'm going to give him all this other stuff. I had no idea that I would be here sharing with you today because of a prayer that happened long before I knew God. You see, the power of prayer can ex exceed any of your expectations if we align ourselves properly to begin with. You see, give us each day this, the food we need. God knows what we need. We might not know it, but he does. And notice something that's in this as well. As, one aspect of this is that there's plurals in here. It's not give, give me, give I each day the food I need. It says give us each day. Jesus is addressing the group here as a group. When was the last time your prayer wasn't about you? When was the last time your prayer was someone or for, for, for something else? Because Jesus knows that we are better in community. The Lord's prayer isn't just for me, but it's for all of us. And we, he says here, give us each day the food we need. You see, the world is hectic. The world is getting busier and busier, 
And we often will go, I'm going to check in with you, God, here. And then I'm going to do things. And then I'll check in with you over here. Because the world between us, between that point and this point, is so hectic and so chaotic that we forget about God in those times. But can I suggest that the, the more that the world gets chaotic and the more that the world gets hectic, the more times we actually need to check in with God. And the more times that we'd actually be equipped to handle what's in front of us. You see, the application for the Lord's Prayer is simple. Make time to seek His face. Are we spending enough time in prayer to know what He wants for us to give us those things? What I want to do now is not just pray for you, but I want you to find one or two people, and we're going to do this application right now. We're going to do this as a congregation and pray in groups because it's not just about me, but I want, we want to see a church that comes together in prayer. So I'm going to uh, invite you to find someone, find out what, their need, what they want, what their needs are, and then ask God, and we'll see power move. Let's pray.